welcome to another episode of Sleep Whispers. I'm Harris, and this is my curious little podcast of whispered ramblings and whispered readings, which I hope will help you to relax and fall asleep. Episode number 175, and specifically, it's a story time episode featuring Little Ida's Flowers by Hans Christian Andersen. If you're a new listener, then welcome to my little world of whispers. Each week, I rotate through one of six types of episodes to calm those overactive squirrels in your brain. These include Whisperpedia episodes, chat episodes, batch episodes, fade-out episodes, trivia time episodes, and tonight you'll hear a story time episode, which means I'll be reading a curious tale to you. If you'd like to listen to all my uh, prior storytime episodes, which includes lots of wondrous and magical tales by various authors, then click the link in the show notes of this episode, or you can visit my website at sleepwhispers.com. Tonight's story is titled Little Ida's Flowers and it's by Hans Christian Andersen. Before I uh, read a book or watch a movie, I always like to know just the, the basic plot summary as a, uh, a foundational understanding. So, here's a summary of the story for tonight. A little girl named Ida is upset because her flowers seem sad or they might even be sick. Someone tells her, though, that her flowers are actually really exhausted because they've been dancing all night at a ball that's inside a local castle. Ida wants her flowers to be healthy, but runs into several challenges trying to make that happen, which you'll hear about as I read the story. And there's some curious characters in the story also. There's a wax doll, who is a lawyer, a yellow lily, who plays the piano, and lots of dancing flowers, of course. The story does have a somber ending, and I 
I poked around for an explanation or an analysis about this tale. And it seems that Hans, if I can call him by his first name, it seems that Hans wrote this story to sort of say that whether you're a flower or a human, life is kind of short. So dance hard, dance often, and live your life to its fullest. And I thought that was interesting because it, it really did help explain why this story is in some in many ways so whimsical. But in other ways, it's somewhat serious. Before I start the story, let me tell you about Sleep Phones, the sponsor for this episode. You probably listen to this podcast for relaxation and comfort, of course. So, you don't want bulky headphones or painful earbuds ruining that. Sleep phones are headphones that are more like gentle pajamas for your ears. They have flat speakers in this soft, stretchy headband, which allows you to lie comfortably in bed while listening to me whisper. Even if you sleep on your side, these sleep phones were created by a doctor to be the most comfortable headphones for sleeping. And they come in corded and wireless versions. For a limited time, you can save $5 off the top four sleep phone models with the coupon code whispers. Just go to sleepphones.com or use the link in my show notes to get your cozy sleep phones today. Alright, now on to tonight's story. Little Ida's Flowers by Hans Christian Andersen. My poor flowers are quite dead, said little Ida. They were so pretty yesterday evening, and now all the leaves are hanging down quite weathered. What do they do that for? she asked of the student who sat on the sofa. She liked him very much. He could tell the most amusing stories and cut out the prettiest pictures, arts, and ladies dancing, castles with doors that opened, as well as flowers. He was a delightful student. Why do the flowers look so faded today? She asked again, and pointed to one, which was quite weathered. Don't you know what is the matter with them? said the student. The flowers were at a ball last night 
and therefore it's no wonder they hang their heads. But the flowers can't dance, cried little Ida. Yes, indeed they can, replied the student. When it grows dark and everyone is asleep, they jump about quite merrily. They have a ball almost every night. Can children go to these balls? Yes, said the student. Little daisies and lilies of the valley. Where do the beautiful flowers dance? Asked little Ida. Have you not often seen the large castle outside the gates of the town? Where the king lives in summer, and where the beautiful garden is full of flowers. And have you not fed the swans with bread when they swam towards you? Well, the flowers have their balls there, believe me. I was in the garden out there yesterday with my mother, said Ida. But all the leaves were off the trees and there was not a single flower left. Where are they? I used to see so many in the summer. They are in the castle, replied the student. You must know that as soon as the king and all the court are gone into the town, the flowers run out of the garden into the castle, and you should see how merry they are. Beautiful roses seat themselves on the throne and are called the king and queen. Then all the red ones arrange themselves on each side and bow. These are the lords in waiting. After that, the pretty flowers come in, and there's a grand ball. The blue violets represent little naval cadets and dance with hyacinths and crocuses, which they call young ladies. The tulips and tiger lilies are the old ladies who sit and watch the dancing, so that everything may be conducted with order and propriety. But, said little Ida, is there no one there to hurt the flowers for dancing in the king's castle? No one knows anything about it, said the student. The old steward of the castle, who has to watch there at night, sometimes comes in, but he carries a great bunch of keys, and as soon as the flowers hear the keys rattle, they run and hide themselves behind the long curtains and stand quite still, just peeping their heads out. Then the old steward says, I smell flowers here, but he can't see them. Oh my, said little Ida, clapping her hands with joy. Should I be able to see these flowers? Yes, said the student. Mind you think of it the next time you go out. No doubt you'll see them. If you peep through the window, I did so today, and I saw a long yellow lily lying stretched on a sofa, 
she was a court lady. Can the flowers from the botanical gardens go to these balls? asked Ida. It is such a long distance. Oh, yes, said the student, whenever they like, for they can fly. Have you not seen those beautiful red, white, and yellow butterflies that look like flowers? Well, they were flowers once. They have flown off their stalks into the air and flapped their leaves as if they were little wings to make them fly. Then, if they behave well, they obtain permission to fly about during the day instead of being obliged to sit still on their stems at home, and so in time their leaves become real wings. It may be, however, that the flowers in the botanical gardens have never been to the king's palace, and therefore they know nothing of the merry doings at night which take place there. I will tell you what to do and the botanical professor who lived close by. You'll be so surprised. You know him very well, don't you? Well, next time you go into his garden, you must tell one of the flowers that there's going to be a great ball at the castle. Then that flower will tell all the other flowers, and it will fly away to the castle as soon as possible. And when the professor walks into his garden, there will not be a single flower left. How he will wonder what has become of them. But how can one flower tell another flower? Flowers can't speak. No, certainly not, replied the student. But they can make signs. Have you not often seen that when the wind blows, they nod at each other and rustle all their green leaves? Can the professor understand the signs? asked Ida. Yes, to be sure he can. He went one morning into his garden and saw a stinging nettle making signs with its flowers to a beautiful red carnation. It was saying, you're so pretty. I like you very much. But the professor did not approve of such nonsense, so he clapped his hands on the nettle to stop it. Then the leaves, which are its fingers, stung him so sharply he has never ventured to touch a nettle since. Oh, how funny, said Ida, and she laughed. How can anyone put such notions into a child's head, said a tiresome lawyer who had come to pay a visit and sat on the sofa. He didn't like the student and would grumble when he saw him cutting out troll or amusing pictures. Sometimes it'd be a man hanging on a gibbet and holding a heart in his hand as if he had been stealing hearts. Sometimes it was an old witch riding to the air on a broom and carrying her husband on her nose. 
but the lawyer didn't like such jokes. He and he would say, as he had just said, How can anyone put such nonsense into a child's head? What absurd fancies there are. But to little Ida, all these stories, which the student told her about the flowers, didn't seem absurd, and she thought them over a great deal. The flowers did hang their heads, because they'd been dancing all night and were very tired, and perhaps even a little ill. Then she took them into the room, where a number of toys lay on a pretty little table, and the whole of the table drawer besides was full of beautiful things. Her doll Sophie lay in the doll's bed asleep, and little Ida said to her, You must really get up, Sophie, and be content to lie in the drawer tonight. The poor flowers are tired, and they must lie in your bed. Then perhaps they will get well again. So she took the doll out, who looked quite cross, and said, not a single word, for she was angry at being turned out of her bed. Ida placed the flowers in the doll's bed and drew the quilt over them. Then she told them to lie quite still and be good, while she made some tea for them, so that they might be quite well and able to get up the next morning. She drew the curtains close around the little bed so the sun might not shine in their eyes. During the whole evening, she couldn't help thinking of what the student had told her. And before she went to bed herself, she was obliged to peep through the curtains into the garden where all of her mother's beautiful flowers grew, hyacinths and tulips and many others. Then she whispered to them quite softly, I know you are going to a ball tonight. But the flowers appeared as if they didn't understand, and not a leaf moved. Still, Ida felt quite sure she knew all about it. She lay awake a long time after she was in bed, thinking how pretty it must be to see all the beautiful flowers dancing in the king's garden. I wonder if my flowers have really been there, she said to herself, and then she fell asleep. In the night she awoke. She'd been dreaming with her flowers and of the student, as well of that tiresome lawyer who found fault with him. It was quite still in Ida's bedroom, the night lamp burnt on the table, and her father and mother were asleep. I wonder if my flowers are still lying in Sophie's bed, she thought to herself. How much I should like to know. She raised herself a little and glanced at the door of the room where all her flowers and playthings were. It was partly open, and as she listened, it seemed as if someone in the room was playing the piano, but softly 
they are all foolish fancies. And then the doll was exactly like the lawyer, with the broad-brimmed hat, and looked as yellow and as cross as he did. But the paper dolls struck him on his thin legs, and he shrunk up again and became quite a little wax doll. This was very amusing, and Ida laughed softly to herself. The carnival rod went on dancing, and the lawyer was obliged to dance also. It was no use. He might make himself great and tall, or remain a little wax doll with a large black hat. Still, he must dance. Then at last the other flowers interceded for him, especially those who had lain in the doll's bed, and the carnival rod gave up dancing. At the same moment a loud knocking was heard in the drawer, where Ida's doll Sophie lay with many other toys. Then the rough doll ran to the end of the table, laid himself flat down on it, and began to pull the drawer out a little way. Then Sophie raised himself and looked around, quite astonished. There must be a ball here tonight, said Sophie. Why didn't somebody tell me? Will you dance with me, said the rough doll. You are quite sort to dance with, certainly, said she, turning her back on him. Then she seated herself on the edge of the drawer and thought that perhaps one of the flowers would ask her to dance, but none of them came. Then she coughed, <clears throat> but still none came. The shabby doll now danced quite alone, and not very badly after all, as none of the flowers seemed to notice Sophie. She let herself down from the door to the floor, so as to make a great noise. All the flowers came round her directly, and asked if she'd hurt herself, especially those who had lain in her bed. But she wasn't hurt at all, and Ida's flowers thanked her for the use of the nice bed, and were very kind to her. They led her into the middle of the room, where the moon shone, and danced with her while all the other flowers formed a circle round them. Then Sophie was very happy, and said they might keep her bed. She didn't mind lying in the drawer at all. But the flowers thanked her very much and said, We cannot live long. Tomorrow morning we shall pass on, and you must tell little Ida to bury us in the garden, near the canary. Then in the summer we shall wake up and be more beautiful than ever. No, you mustn't pass on, said Sophie, as she kissed the flowers. Then the door of the room opened, and a number of beautiful flowers danced in. I couldn't imagine where they could be from, unless they were the flowers from the king's garden. First came two lovely roses, with the little golden crowns on their heads. These were the king and queen. Beautiful stalk 
incarnations followed, bowing to everyone present. They had also music with them. Large poppies and peonies had shells for instruments and blew into them till they were quite red in the face. The bunches of blue hyacinths and the little white snowdrops jingled their bell-like flowers as if they were real bells. Then came many more flowers, blue violets, purple heartsies, daisies, and lilies of the valley, and they all danced together and kissed each other. It was very beautiful to behold. At last the flowers wished each other good night. The little Ida crept back into her bed again and dreamt of all she had seen. When she arose the next morning, she went quickly to the little table to see if the flowers were still there. She drew aside the curtains of the little bed. There they all lay, but quite faded, much more so than the day before. Sophie was lying in the drawer where Ida had placed her, but she looked very sleepy. Remember what the flowers told you to say to me, said little Ida. But Sophie didn't say a single word. You're not kind at all, said Ida, and yet they all danced with you. Then she took a little paper box on which were painted beautiful birds and laid the flowers in it. This shall be your temporary resting space, she said. And by and by, when my cousins come to visit me, they shall help me to put you out in the garden, so that next summer you may grow up again more beautiful than ever. Her cousins were two good-tempered boys, whose names were James and Adam. Their father had given them each a bow and arrow, and they had brought them to show Ida. She told them about the poor flowers, and as soon as they obtained permission, they went with her to the garden. The two boys walked first, with their crossbows on their shoulders, and little Ida followed, carrying the pretty box containing the resting flowers. Dug a little hole in the garden. Ida kissed her flowers and then laid them with the box in the earth until the next season. This is the end of this story time episode. I hope you are deeply relaxed, or even better, deeply asleep.